Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Latina Without Borders. This is Christina. And this is Eliza, and we're so happy that you guys are listening to our second season. Yes, we're so excited. It's definitely been a while since our last episode, but so much has happened since then, and we are back and ready to get going and to interview some amazing people. And we're just happy to have you guys still following us along and listening. Yeah, and this season we want to really focus on Latinas that are making a difference in their community and definitely touching on topics that are important to our community as a whole. So I'm just super excited, especially with this topic that we're going into with Destiny Cruise. We're going to talk about how to protest and also how to create a march. And right now, Eliza and I are on Zoom. So when we recorded this podcast, it is also on Zoom. So we just want to apologize for any like audio issues and stuff. I'm sure a lot of the podcasts you guys have been listening to, um, they've also been doing on Zoom. But yeah, this is like the new reality or, you know, we're just adjusting to what we have to do. Um, But we still think that it's a great episode and it has a lot of great information that Destiny um, is sharing with you guys. And personally, what I really liked is that she listed out these Instagram accounts that are great for you guys to follow for any information with this Black lives matter movement happening right now and if you guys live in like the city new york and you want to join a march she does list out a couple of instagram pages to follow yeah it was a pretty awesome interview especially you know she basically dedicates her life her life to activism and she's always been you know pretty involved in it as her mother was also in the field as well so it's awesome hearing you know how she goes about it and just some tips she gives how we can you know make it a part of our everyday lives All right, guys, so that is everything for the intro. I hope you guys enjoy. And if you guys have not yet, we definitely encourage you to follow us on Instagram. It's at Latina Without Borders. Okay, Destiny. So first of all, we're super excited that you took time. I know this is probably a super busy time for you, um, especially with everything, with all the protests going on, on top of voting, being right around the corner. So... I just want to get started with asking you where you grew up. I know we touched a little bit on it. We're both from the Bronx, but if you want to touch a little more where you went to university. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm born and raised in the Bronx. I always say it is the only home I've ever known. And I'm proud to say that. Um, I literally was born in Jacoby Hospital, born and raised on the west side of the Bronx, uh, went to school here, went to school on Bedford Park for high school, like my whole life is here. Um, In fact, the only time I did leave the Bronx was when I went to college, and it was just to go to John Jay College of Criminal Justice (laughs) out in Columbus Circle, Um, but I was still on the D-line, still still my home here. So um, yeah, that's that's a bit about where I've grown up. Nice. And where's your family from? Yeah, so my mom was born and raised in the Dominican Republic. um, From She's from Bani, and my dad is Puerto Rican, but he was also born and raised in the Bronx as well. Ah, so you actually, um, not pretty similar to me. I never know whether or not I'm first generation or second generation because my mom grew up in the Bronx and then I grew up in the Bronx, but then my father grew up in Puerto Rico. So I never know how to distinguish mm-hmm. the fact. Do you associate yourself more with first generation or second generation um, Latina? You know, I think that is the first time I've ever thought about that. I've mm-hmm. always considered myself to be first gen. Um, in part because I grew up with my mom, you know, my mom is a single parent and that's how I view her. Like since we were 10 years old, she was the one who was raising us by herself. And so to me, I'm, I'm first gen and, you know, 
all of the blood, sweat, and tears that my mom put through, like that she really, you know, did everything she could for us. To me, I, I take pride in being first gen because I know that this came from her hard work. So to me, I'm, I'm a Dominican woman from the Bronx, you know, so that's where I'm at. Awesome. Yeah, so you said us. So do you have siblings? I do. I do. I have an older sister. Um, she's five years older than me. And then I have a younger brother who's four years older than me. So I'm right in the middle. Um, it is only the three of us and my mom, who we all like live together. Um, but yeah, these are my, my siblings are actually right in this picture right there. So oh my God, yeah, <laughs> I'm my family photos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And oh MJ God. is in this one, so. Oh, <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm yeah. like looking at them now. I'm like, oh, inside your house. This is the thing with Zoom. You know, yeah. you can see where people live. <laughs> you get comfortable really quick. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, well, <laughs> Christina's like, welcome to my plants. <laughs> yeah, I'm like my plant right here. <laughs> oh my God. So, so yeah, so we said you went to um, um, John Jay. So you stood in New York. So you're like a New Yorker. Um, yeah. To run it throughout. So, what drew you to the career you're in now? Did you actually study something in John Jay that drew you um, to being in the field you're in now, or did it come after you graduated? Yeah, so actually, this all started from when I was a kid. So, my mom is an activist, a community organizer, a political organizer. Um, a lot of folks like to put all of those things together, but they're three different distinct things. And, you know, my mom, I'm very blessed to have her as a role model. She's all three. Um, and so since I was like seven years old, you would catch me at protest. You would catch me talking about labor rights and how people in the MTA need to be protected with healthcare and all these things. So to me, this is just a part of like my home culture. Um, and so when I was in high school, I was debating, you know, what school is the right school for me? And then, so what is my major? Um, so I thought about John Jay, um, one, because it's affordable, right? Like I said, my mom is a single parent and, you know, we have to do what we have to do. And uh, John Jay ended up being one of like the best decisions I could make. Um, I majored in law and society, minored in political science. Again, more so just because it's been a part of my life and like I understood the power and the impact that um, understanding politics and government could have and actually helping our community. And so for me, it was a no brainer to go into that, to learn more about you know, how society views our communities and what legislative change we can create um, by having this knowledge, while also always keeping in mind that that change comes from community organizing. So um, that's it's just always been in front of my mind. And um, I was just lucky to go to an amazing school like John Jay that really centers their work around you know being fierce advocates for justice that's like what we're called when we go to john jay so um I, it just felt like home so bring us back to the beginning so you graduate you graduate college and you're like okay i have a passion um i've been having this passion for years i grew up with this love for protesting and being an activist and you know just giving back to a community that raised me what were your first steps do you apply online? Um, do you have people ready who are recruiting you to um, join their force? Like, how does that even go? Because I'm thinking about the people listening right now, and they may want a career in activism, but they just don't know where to start. Yeah, so uh, I think I'm very, very lucky, first and foremost, right? Like, I will name that. I'm a very lucky person. Um, the steps that I did take started before I graduated. 
So I had an internship um, in the spring of 2018 with Assemblymember Danny O'Donnell and two of his staff members are now one of my closest friends. Um, and they're very much part of the reason why I am where I am because um, I interned for them for about like a semester or so. And then in May, they heard that another elected official, another local elected official had a staff opening. And they told me, they were like, look, if you're trying to apply for this job, apply for it. If not, we're going to hire you. <laughs> so they were like, we, they were, they're just so amazing. They're like some of my favorite people, but they told me like, we would love to hire you, but Assemblymember O'Donnell is in Manhattan and this other elected officials in the Bronx. And they told me, we know where your heart is and we just want to make sure that you go where you can help your community. And so um, that push from them really led me to say, okay, that's it. I'm applying for this staff, uh, to be a staff member to this local elected in the Bronx. Um, I was very lucky. They took me on part-time because I was still in school. And so I was a full-time student, part-time staff member to an elected official. And then um, I, I did that for a few months. Um, and then I graduated, you know, I graduated college December 2018. Um, and then January came on and they said, we want you full-time. And so I was full-time staff as soon as I graduated. Um, and then this other opportunity came along the lines with uh, one of my close friends from college. Um, she ended up being the field director of, you know, one of the most spoken about elected officials across the country. And um, there was a job opening there and she said, we want you to come on. So can you apply for this job, please? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know that I can do this, but I will do my best. And um, I applied and sure enough, I, I got the job. So, you know, now I'm sitting here in this really, really wonderful and grateful position. Um, definitely not all because of me, definitely not because I was actively like sweating bullets, trying to like go online and do all these things. It really just came to, you know, uh, the people who were around me and who really wanted to see me grow and you know it was just I think again naming the fact how lucky I am to be in the position I am so I think, that I think that's right sorry I'm just speaking over I think that that's great because of ne like that goes back to like almost any industry of just networking with people you knew and yeah. since you're putting yourself out there and uh, whether it's online or in-person events those people end up helping you afterwards. And I think that can apply to anyone really in any industry. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I, and I felt the same way. I think when you're really passionate about something, people actually feel that and um, they're able to like relate with that. So I think with, with that being said, people felt how passionate you are. They saw what you were doing in the community and they were saying, you know what, like she would be a perfect fit for this. Um, they couldn't think of anyone better. So that's great. Um, will you change anything about that process? I don't think I would. I think um, it caught me by surprise because like you folks said, it's, it really is about the folks. I don't, I don't want to say like, it's about the folks, you know, because sometimes people are like, well, I don't know anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that the people you go to school with, right. Your friends, like y'all are all thriving together. Like they will be the person that you're like is within your network and gets you a job. And like, I just thinking of me, like, I'm like, now that I'm in this position, 
all of the, because I'm from the, I'm like, I'm a lesbian. And so I think of like all my queer folks at John Jay and I'm like, how am I going to give opportunities to the queer community from John Jay, right? Like we're all like building each other and lifting each other up. And so for me, it's a matter of like not changing that process for the world because we got to the positions where we are because of each other and we will continue to bring each other up. So I don't think I'd change anything at all. Nice. I also, I want to point out, I, I see the dream act um, in the back. <laughs> well, how do you feel about that? I know th that wasn't one of the questions, but um, you do yeah. have it hung up. It seems like you're in your room or your living room. So it must be really important to you. Yeah. So I am in my room. <laughs> um, no, the dream act, the fact that it was passed this year or rather last year um, is amazing. Uh, like I said, my mom is born and raised in the Dominican Republic. There was a time where she was undocumented. Um, and at John Jay, we have we had a lot of folks who uh, and currently who are undocumented. And so to think and I, it was always so bizarre to me, but to think that people who are undocumented, who are such brilliant, brilliant souls and whose parents might not have the financial means to pay for college, like they're out here slaving to be able to go to college. And now with the DREAM Act passed, people have the opportunity to do that. People have the opportunity to, you know, uh, get financial aid from the state. It may not be federal aid, but it's money coming from the state to get them to go to school. So to me, it's like, I mean, when that passed, it was just amazing. It was like one of the greatest things. And so the DREAM Act passed and then the driver's license passed. So now folks, uh, undocumented folks can get driver's license in New York State. And it's like, it, I think as like citizens, we might take a lot of these like little things for granted. Like, I don't know how many of us could actually go to school without FAFSA, right? Without getting TAP, without getting like other financial aid services. And like our undocumented siblings are going to school, paying full tuition and sometimes paying out of state tuition because they are undocumented. So um, I, it just, it meant the world to see that pass to see uh, that legislation passed in the state last year, so. I agree. I think it's um, absolutely, like, I'm so happy that it passed, but also um, going back, yeah, a lot of us can't get, like, I know, I'm personal experience, I need a FAFSA. Like, my parents were, like, I ended up going to a private school, Hofstra University. However, my parents were very clear from the beginning. They said we can only afford CUNY, um, mm -hmm. and that's with FAFSA. And if it wasn't for, like, a program that led me into Hofstra, I wouldn't have been there. So I feel like because of that, you know, me being in the U.S. and having that opportunity, it has drawn me to have, like, more achievements. And I feel like we need to do the same for our undocumented people as well. They need to have those paths to success. And if we're not giving them it, who will, even though they have very much laid it out for themselves. But mm -hmm. um, I think it's always, you know, just, a, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but I feel like it's always just a good thing to just don't sit in your own comfort, try to use your comfort to help others. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, yeah, put yourself in uncomfortable positions to ensure everyone else is like rising and being able to get the resources you have available to you. I mean, yeah, it's just insane to see, uh, to, to know that there's so much that it, like there's a gap. There's such a huge gap between what undocumented folks have to go through and what we as citizens have to go through. And it's just insane. So yeah, yeah it was just the great, greatest thing. I know we're three Latinas right now, so we don't have like the most privilege, but we still do have privilege in that sense. And um, 
it just has me remember that like I want to use my privilege for good you're using your privilege for good right now and you're speaking for you know a community they may not be able to completely speak up for themselves um or they have been speaking up for themselves but haven't been heard in the way they should have so. Yeah, and also to like name and not to go off script, but also to no, name. No, we, we can <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I mean, I went off strip. I don't know much about the Dream Act. I know a little bit about it. I know I'm passionate a bit about it, but mm-hmm. um, I just saw it in the back of your wall, and I know yeah. it's something that's so relevant and it should never be forgotten about because there's so many more steps we still need to do um, yeah. to ensure more, you know, more positive outcomes. Yeah, absolutely, and like just want to name like. Uh, you know as a white passing Latina the privileges that I have like um, you folks haven't met my mom but my mom and my sister are brown women right like they if they're in the street you know people will say oh this is a black woman and I as a white passing Latina have just polarizing privileges to my sibling to my sibling and to my mom and so just naming the fact that like one definitely not speaking on behalf of the undocumented community because you know not to like as a white passing latina like it's not my privilege to say that i'm speaking on behalf of anyone um but just naming the fact that like we do have a lot of privileges here and um i'm definitely not trying to be a megaphone for anyone it's more just like how can i support and how can i help um within the privileges that i do have so i do wanted to bring up um the topic we actually came here for, um, how to do a march, like, you know, mm-hmm. how to do a march, um, what, why should people be doing it? Why should people be attending them? Just like a bit of everything. Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, I want to name that everyone I spoke to and like, I just, I want to say their names as well to ensure that they get the credit for this. Like, you know, the first, one of the first people I contacted was Jasmine Sanchez She's my colleague on a campaign I'm working on. Um, you know, she is a Puerto Rican woman who lives in the Lower East Side, and she's really out here organizing her community. Like Jasmine is an organizer. I wouldn't say that I'm a community organizer at the level of Jasmine, um, but I do want to name that. Like she was one of the first people I reached out to, and uh, I told her I was like, "Okay, Jasmine, these are the things I'm thinking about. We know we need chance. <laughs> we know we need a root." We know we need to have speakers and we know we need to have a clear message, right? So I was like, these are the four things that I need. Is, am I missing anything, right? When you say uh, those are the four things that um, most people need before starting a march or wanting to create one? Yeah, I think, someone's calling me apologies. Um, I do think that those are four ideal things you want to have mapped out. But after talking to Jasmine, I did receive a little bit more of insight, right? So First, uh, you definitely need to have the route, right? You need to know where people are walking. It, are you passing anything that is significant, right? Um, particularly in the march that uh, I co-organized, I thought of, am I passing by a precinct, right? Because this is a, a march in honor of Black lives, right? Are we passing by a precinct? Are we passing by a significant location where one of our neighbors or one of our siblings were detained or arrested or brutalized by NYPD, right? So just thinking about that, um, in my, for me, thinking about the route, I said a lot of people were going from Grand Concourse or were taking down the concourse to go to the courthouse. The courthouse is where a lot of change needs to happen. And so I understand that. My uh, thought process behind taking the route that I did was to say, how can we 
engage more people in the community, right? Because we're just walking by Grand Concourse, the same people are seeing marches. It could be different people in the marches, but the same people are seeing them. How can we engage more of our community, right? So I took Fordham, I took Cretona, East Tremont and Webster, three big streets where there's lots of people of color. And so for me, it was like impactful to see like these toddlers, I, you know, one of the things we did was we knelt for a minute and 45 seconds and we were chanting Black Lives Matter and these three toddlers, like these three young black boys were chanting with us, right? And realizing like, that's why we took this route. That's why we're here. So that way kids like them see this is for you. This is, people are fighting for you now so that way your future is better later. You know what I mean? And so that's part of the reason why I chose that route and why a route is important to have, to be conscious of where you're going and the places you're, you're passing by. Um, as for messaging, uh, for the message, we thought, okay, we know it's a Black Lives Matter march, we're, black, we're marching for Black Lives, um, but you cannot, and I just wanna underscore this, you cannot talk about messaging without talking to Black organizers. You cannot have a march in honor of someone if you are not taking consideration those voices. And so I reached out to one of my friends, um, Mac Graham, He's, uh, you know, he's one of the organizers with the New York City Justice League, and he is a black man, and he is, you know, again, another organizer that I, I really look up to. So um, for me, it was important to talk to him and say, hey, Mac, am I on message? Am I doing this right? Right? Because, again, as I mentioned earlier, as a white passing Latina, like, you need to check yourself and you need to make sure you're reaching out to the correct people. So I know your question was, or do you think those are the four things that people have to keep in mind? When it comes to messaging, the part B of all of that is to reach out to the organizers that you're representing in this march, right? Reach out to the people you're reaching out to or that you're uh, trying to stand in solidarity with. So Mac uh, was one of those people for me. And, um, you know, he told me, he's like, I think it makes sense to take that outer route to make sure that you're still engaging more of the community. Um, and one of the things that Mac said to me was like, you know, I've been to marches where I'm the only black man there. And I was like, how did I make you feel? And he was very honest. He was like, I think that's great. <laughs> he said, the movement is not about sort of like staying one section here, one section there, whatever, whatever. It's about building the number of people who are joining in the movement. And so for Mac to say that to me made me feel like, okay, I'm on the right track. Because even though I'm a white passing Latina, like there was still these like, young black men who are able to see that people are standing in solidarity with them and it wasn't just black people you know chanting for themselves it's like the entire community that makes up our folks were there with them so um that was just really one of one of my favorite moments in, in discussing with mac um, about messaging um what were the other things oh chance <laughs> Chants are my favorite. MJ kicked us off with some of like, yeah. like one of the labor chants. Um, it was just, you know, I, I reached out to Aaliyah. Um, Aaliyah is also a young black woman. Um, she's an activist. She's amazing. And she sent me a list of chants, right? And again, it's a matter of reaching out to organizers because organizers will let you know. Jasmine also sent me a list of chants, right? So you say, okay, these are the names you need to say 
these are the chants you need to say, right? We're saying NYPD, we're talking about defunding the police, we're saying our message through our chants, right? And so it's like having that list compiled, knowing where you're going, knowing the message behind it all, um, all of that contributes to, to having what would be like a successful march, or at least at the very base of it. So um, I feel like I missed something, but we can get to it later. <laughs> No, you gave so much, um, and I love it. That's um, that's really awesome. I so much goes into it. Like I applaud you, <laughs> and I love how I love how you like. Okay, I know what I'm doing, but I still need help. So you reach out to the right people in order for you to create something that's you know absolutely wonderful and everyone can enjoy it, but also every something that everyone's comfortable with, um, mm -hmm. and something that's getting the message across. Because at the end of the day, that is that is the main objective. It's to get a particular message across to like a huge population. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the hardest things I think of like organizing is outreach. I think we're in a different world, right? Where COVID exists and we can't always do all the kind of outreach that we want to do. Um, luckily for, for me, I think really it was like, I printed out some flyers. I posted mm -hmm. them in the buildings in my neighborhood. I said, okay, if people want to come, they know that it's happening. Yeah. Um, but also reaching out to like trusted social media platforms, right? Like mm -hmm. I think we're in a world where it's really easy for people to pop up and try to co-op the narrative and all that shit. Like, oh, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse, but all that stuff. Um, <laughs> like there's people who, who want to co-op the narrative and they create platforms and social media and all these things. And it's like, man, were you here from the beginning? If not, let's talk to the organizers who have been and who are the people who are giving accurate uh, information. So um, I reached out to uh, Justice for George NYC. They were able to put our flyer on their page um, and that turned out some folks. Like I spoke to nearly everyone who came out to march with us and there were a handful of folks who were like, oh, I came just because I saw it on Justice for George NYC. You know, so it's like outreach is a whole other component of this thing. And when you are a community organizer, like outreach is the hardest thing to do because you really mm -hmm. have to tap into communities and say like, Hey, we're doing this, come join us. And you got to really convince people that you're there for them and that you want them to turn out. So that was just another component to think of. Yeah. Speaking of social media, because I know definitely that you've done these marches since you were younger, but how, and you've posted those posters in your community and you, you use social media, like that page you just mentioned, is there anything else how we can use social media as an advantage um, that people weren't able to do before or any tips that you have um, up your sleeve? Yeah, I mean, social media is, again, it's a, a really wonderful tool and it could be like kind of dangerous because of the miscommunication and, and all those things. But I would just say follow, uh, you know, one of the tips that I was able to, to take on from some folks is, you know, following the appropriate hashtags, right? Following, like on Instagram, you could follow a hashtag and it'll show you specific information right so if you put black lives matter hashtag you're probably going to get inundated with stuff but you're able to like narrow down um, different you know specific topics for example like protest safety right you follow that hashtag and then you'll be able to see okay this is what i have to do if i'm being safe in a protest this is how i protect the folks who are coming out to my protest and to my march um, and so being able to circulate what you see on those pages again from those trusted pages is really really important because we have to stay on message we have to keep everyone safe and we have to keep putting out 
you know, just reminding folks every single day, like this, this time around, it's not just marches, right? We're like in a movement. We are in a movement right now. The revolution is not coming. It is here. And so just constantly, like every single day, utilizing your social media platform as one that is able to put out important information about protest, about the message that we need to, you know, how we can support the Black community. Um, that's just the best way to, to think about it. And like, just like thinking of you folks, right? Like y'all have a platform um, as like this podcast and you have folks coming in and, and talking about it, like just on your Instagram, posting one to two, three times a day on your story, letting folks know, hey, this is the message. These are the black leaders we're like listening to. This is what needs to happen. These are the things that you need to keep safe. Like using that should be normal now, right? Like we see folks who are still taking pictures at beaches and doing this and doing that. And like, it's not to say that you can't go out and have some fun or whatever, but everyone's social media like needs to be about how we're staying safe and how we're staying on message because the movement and the revolution is here and we need to utilize the tools that we have to continue that and to keep the momentum. Going off of that, do you have any tips um, or maybe accounts for people to follow? Yeah, so like I said, Justice for George um, is, uh, Justice for George NYC particularly, they will post protests that are happening in each borough. They Mm -hmm. will show you the flyer. uh, So that way you can go to the one that's most you know, that you feel safe in. You know, one of the things about, and I, I'm going to answer the rest of the question, but one of the things about um, the movement and these protests is that you will dance in different circles, right? Mm-hmm. There are people who have different goals at each march. And so you want to go to one where you feel like, this is as far as I want to go. Maybe I just want to walk around. Maybe I just want to do a sit-in. Maybe I want to do a rally. Maybe I want to do whatever. Following uh, Justice for George NYC, will let you see all of the protests that are happening and you will be able to find out like, okay, these are, this is the one that I really want to go to. It's in my borough. It's a sit-in. I don't really want to march, whatever. And you can just make that decision. Um, also, uh, we should all be following um, Black Lives Matter NY. Uh, we have to follow, like I said, Black organizers, Black leaders, um, BLM of Greater New York. These are the folks who are putting out the, uh, quite frankly, like an agenda, putting out the messaging um, that we should be following, as well as um, Justice, NY Justice League, or Justice, Justice League NY. Um, they are the New York City chapter of the Justice League. These are folks who, again, have been organizing marches in Manhattan, like these really large thousand, 2000 people marches, they're being organized by Justice League. So um, just keeping them in mind as well. Um, that being said, and just cause I don't have them on the top of my mind, but um, that being said, we have to think of the intersectionality of issues. We haven't, you know, just lost our cisgendered black siblings. We've also lost our transgender black siblings. And so figuring out which organizations um, with the intersectionalities that we all have, right? Like making sure that we're reaching out to those organizations as well um, within the queer community, within the black community. Um, Just thinking of like also being a Dominican woman, thinking of the, um, the like Instagrams and the Facebooks and Twitters 
that are led by Dominican individuals and that are talking about this really uncomfortable conversation that our Dominican siblings have issued talking about, right? Like Dominicans are black. We have to stand in solidarity. We got to follow people who are putting out that messaging. Um, and so, yeah, just some, those are some of the Instagrams, but just keeping in mind that when we are looking at Instagrams and we're looking at intersectionalities, make sure people are putting out the correct messaging, right? Those uncomfortable conversations, those posts that you think like, ooh, is that gonna, you know, piss off my tia in Boston? Like, who cares? It's not about, it, it's about, it's not about your comfort. It's about making those conversations happen. So um, it could be almost anyone. It could be you, it could be me, it could be whoever's Instagram, but it's a matter of making sure that you are staying on message and you can do that by following uh, Justice League, Black Lives Matter, and then Justice for George for NYC. So thanks for sharing, by the way. That's a lot of cool accounts. Um, I'm going to make sure that we add them in the description so people can follow them as well. But you say sibling a lot and I, I know what you mean by it, but what does that word mean to you when you say like my, my siblings? Yeah, so um, thank you so much for asking that question. Um, it is a matter of like, it's like queer culture, right? So we think of when we say like, oh, I stand in solidarity with my brothers and sisters. Yes, we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters, but we stand in solidarity with our siblings because we live in a world of a spectrum. There are people who are not binary. The world is not binary. So to say brothers and sisters uh, leaves out a lot of folks. And so I always tend to lean towards saying siblings because it is much more encompassing. It means, you know, the, just the people you're standing shoulder to shoulder with. Those are your siblings. That is your family. Um, and so to me, instead of saying brothers and sisters, I just catch men all with siblings. We're going to start wrapping up now. One thing I wanted to ask you is what tips would you give to someone who wants to be a leader in their community? Yeah, I mean... I think we're in a really different world. I think if you had asked me that before, I'd be like, oh gosh, I don't know. But I think we're in a world that anyone can become a leader. Um, mm -hmm. As long as, like I said, you're staying on message, you're including organizers who have been there already. Um, I do just wanna name the fact that like some issues we're seeing is that there are people who are new organizers or who really want to be like, a leader in the community and are doing things out of turn. <laughs> you want to make sure that you are talking to the people who have been on the ground. I'm not saying support institutionalized, you know, structures, right? Because that's another thing we have to like make sure we're knocking down. But what we do want to keep in mind is that there are organizers who have been on the ground for years, respect their work, contact them, reach out to them. Even if you think you don't have a contact, Google what organizations are here, walk around your neighborhood, see what the infrastructure is here, right? Don't go into the places, I'm not saying don't go, but like the places that are like kind of janky, you know, that are look like a little rundown shop, but you see people coming in and now talking about social justice and all of that, those are the community organizers you're trying to connect with. And those are the people you want to make sure you're staying in line with um, because they've really been here. They understand the community and they're the ones who have been like moving the community before there was like this big movement, right? So um, if you want to be a leader in your community, make sure you're reaching out to those folks. Make sure you're respecting the messaging and the movement of the time. Um, and make sure you're always checking yourself. There is always room to grow. You will always have something to learn. The moment you think you've learned it all is when you're not being a leader anymore. 
okay? Because as a leader, you have to ensure that you're walking alongside your people and you're learning with your people. You're not telling the people what to do. Great. So I'd love to close out the interview with um, a question that we ask everyone on this podcast since we are all Latinas and you mentioned a bit about your culture and everything and um, you grew up in the Bronx. We want to know what's one thing you wouldn't change about your culture? Oh my gosh, I wouldn't change a damn thing. Um, <laughs> no, what would I not change about my culture? I think, I think one thing of two cultures. So I think of my culture as being a Dominican woman um, and being from the Bronx, right? Mm -hmm. And so uh, one of the things that I would never want to change is the honor and the love that I have from being from the Bronx. Like my, my partner uh, tells me all the time, she's like, I don't understand why people from the Bronx go so hard. And I'm just like, you don't get it because you're not from here. <laughs> so for me is like the, what is it? The pride that I have for my culture is the one thing I wouldn't change. That Bronx culture, that mentality of like, we are from here and this is our home and nobody else could say anything different about it. I wouldn't change that for the world because that's some, that's some Bronx shit. Like that's something that we'll never, <laughs> we'll never let go. So to me, that's, mm -hmm. I love it. That's the yeah. one thing. I felt that because I feel like, yeah, I'm Puerto Rican, but to be honest, sometimes I feel like I'm Bronx first. <laughs> and then I'm Puerto Rican just because, you know, I just feel like Bronx is what raised me. Um, and it's what made me who I am today. So mm -hmm. I definitely can see why you feel, you feel pretty similar. Um, exactly. Being so proud of being where you're from and the BX baby. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. People say Bronx is a nationality. It is. It is. I'm like, I'm Bronx. <laughs> It definitely is. Um, I, that's how I feel about it. Why are you? I'm Bronx, and then my parents are Puerto Rican. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't change that for the world. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure interviewing you, Destiny. Um, I'm so happy that you were one of the first people who ever motivated me or even like, you know, said like, hey, here's a protest, like you should totally go to it. I feel like one of the reasons I haven't been going to protests is because I don't really have people around me who are saying like, hey, let's go to one together. So I think having those positive influences and um, also just getting yourself out there, you don't really need people to tell you um, where's the next protest is at. Like you mentioned, there's so much social media and we need to utilize it to our best advantage and find places to go, places to march, places to protest, places to speak up. Mm -hmm. so thanks for that Des. happy no, we got to connect i'm happy to and i just also want to say you should always go to a protest with a buddy just putting that out there safety i know safety that's tips. A, go that's with another buddy. <laughs> that's another yeah. reason why i've never gone is because when you don't have people around you who um have similar interests to you and also want to go to protest it's hard and you should go with a buddy um that's super important i've heard many stories of why it's essential um but yeah just Building, building your own friend group and social group and maybe being the thought leader who um, yeah. gets people involved and go to those protests. Exactly, exactly. And thank you all so, so much for thinking of me and for connecting, uh, connecting with me. It's been awesome being on this podcast. Thank you so much, Destiny.